maybe about three years ago, I realized something that bothered me about the human condition, that a vast majority of adults, what they do is that they ignore the signs of their body, they ignore their pain messengers from their body, and they just keep on living life, you know, how they want, eating whatever they want, and then boom, when they're in their mid-50s or 60s, they get a diagnosis that actually makes them maybe look at their habits, maybe look at their diet. They get grounded into reality that their body won't tolerate being treated like they have been treating it forever. And so they get a dose of reality that you are mortal. You are not immortal. Because we live with this denial that Just because we can eat crap in our 20s and we could still wake up feeling decent, that we could do it for decades. And people live in this denial. And I realized personally that watching adults live like this, I don't want to live like this. I want to use my free will to choose something different. I want to learn from them and I want to gain wisdom from how they're living their life, I've gained clarity and wisdom that I don't want that. I don't want that to happen to me. And I can't control 100% of everything that happens in my life and to my body. I don't have that control because I'm not in control of fate. I'm not in control of destiny. But I do have some control. I do. I have some control of what my habits are every day and what I'm fueling my body with. Am I fueling my body with man-made chemicals like Chick-fil-A or am I fueling it with nature's nutrients and nature's minerals to actually help my body restore and heal? So although we don't have 100% control over fate, we do have control over, you know, how we feel on a day-to-day basis. A lot of people don't drink enough water and then they have horrible headaches or backaches. And, you know, that is something that is fully in their control. So someone suffering from migraines, they might just have to drink water with sea salt. It could be that easy. And of course, sometimes it's not that easy. So I've been watching adults live in this way that I don't desire to live. I don't want to treat my body like shit for 50, 60 years and then be slapped with a diagnosis and then try to change and reverse my habits and my health that far in. But there's an element that I thoroughly love and enjoy supporting my body. I love helping it and loving on it. And I think loving on your body is supporting it. And so it's how are you supporting your body? Is it through rest? Is it through food? Is it through exercise? There's so many ways to support the body. And the biggest way that I decided to support my body and love my body is to start listening to it. Actually listening. And I realized that it talks the most in the form of discomfort or pain 
or symptoms. So one little example that I remember I had a few years ago was that my eye kept twitching. It was twitching and twitching and twitching. I'm just like, this is so weird. And because this was around the time that I'm like, okay, every every single signal from my body is communication from my body. It's telling me something. It is always communicating something. And we have the free will to either ignore it, deny it, or lean into it and listen to it. So I had this eye twitch and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I went into the desert. I was sitting on a rock. I was grounding my energy with the earth's energy. I was grounding myself. And I asked my eye, what is it you are trying to tell me? And it said, every eye twitch is a call for presence. It's just like if you had a rubber band on your wrist and you pulled it and it slapped against your skin. It was a reminder. Every, every twitch was a reminder of presence. presence. Every breath is an opportunity to ground yourself in the present moment. And so this is a very simple little example of when I started my journey of listening to my body, my eye twitch was trying to get me into the present moment because I couldn't ignore a twitch. Every single twitch I noticed and so it brought me into the present. And I truly, truly believe this was my body trying to get me into the present moment. Then around that same time, I was on vacation in Hawaii and I got (laughs) this weird stomach bug for exactly 24 hours, like 24 hours on the dot. I had this invader in my body that caused my body to purge. And it's in those circumstances that I really, really, really have reverence for my healing process of my body, which puking is the body healing. Puking is the immune system response. Puking is proof that your body is healing. Puking is proof that your body knows exactly what to do. It sensed an invader and it said, let's get this invader out. It's so wise. It's so smart. And so I was able to reframe something like vomiting that this is for me. My body is working for me because it is getting the invaders out. It is doing exactly what it was designed to do and to be in such gratitude that my body knows exactly what to do. So that was one of my earliest reframes of health where fevers are actually the body healing. It's, it is not a bad thing. It is an amazing thing. Your immune system senses an invader And it ramps up your temperature in your body to burn off the invader. The fever in your body is your immune system. It's proof that you are expressing health. It's proof that you are healing. A fever is proof of healing. Vomiting is proof of healing. A cough is proof of healing. Your body is trying to get the invader out Sneezing is, is your body trying to get things out. 
Diarrhea is your body trying to get things out. These are all signs of healing. Your body knows exactly what to do. But the time I was in Hawaii and I got the stomach flu for 24 hours, that was a pretty amazing lesson of presence because I'm not sick often. You know, I haven't been sick in maybe two years, but back then I would maybe get the flu once a year or flu-like type of situation. And when I got the stomach flu, I remember laying down. I couldn't be on my phone. I couldn't be on watching the TV. I, could, I, I couldn't even sleep. And so I sat staring at the ceiling for, you know, like these 16 hours of waking hours. I was staring at the ceiling and I remember realizing that this is what presence feels like. It was, it was actually so peaceful and I'm not sugarcoating it. I'm not, I am not like glazing positivity over it. From this stomach flu, I remember feeling this insane level of peacefulness that all I could do was lay there with my body and just stare at the ceiling and I felt what presence felt like. When I picked up my phone, it was too stimulating. I could not handle sound. I couldn't have the TV on. It was such an amazing lesson on what peace feels like and what presence feels like. And I felt like this was an amazing lesson of that stomach flu. And, and I've come to find that every type of sickness I've had, had a level of a lesson or like a layer of healing had something in it that was a gift for me. So another example was when I got the mumps maybe six years ago. Yeah, I was vaccinated for the mumps when I was a child. I don't know how many boosters you need, but I still got it. And it was a weird virus. It was so weird because it inflames your salivary glands that are near your ears and in your throat, um, like your lymph nodes in your throat. And it inflamed them so much that I had no neck. It was like I was Monica on Friends. I had a fat suit on. It was so, so weird. It was so weird. Um, But it was only like that for maybe three days. I have pictures of it. And I send them to my family members once in a while just to like make them laugh because it looks like I have a fat suit on. It was so weird. And it was in those three days where the swelling was so intense and I had such intense tonsil throat pain that in those moments, I realized I have nothing to do but lay here. I have nowhere to be. I have nothing to do. I have no to-do list. My only job is to lay here and let my body heal. It was was so freeing to be able to recognize the feeling of I have nothing to do. There is no expectations on me, on my body, on my day, what I should be doing what I shouldn't be doing. 
I just had to lay there and be. Not do, I had to be. I had to just lay there and feel how it felt that I didn't have to do anything. Nothing was required of me. It was this this deep, deep level of being and not doing. That's what the mumps taught me. It was it was amazing. It was very painful. But I was definitely 100% healed within 7 days. I don't understand really why we need a vaccine for that after experiencing that. The lingering symptom I had from that because it's a virus that deals with your salivary glands is that my my salivary glands did not produce spit for like two weeks. It was very weird. I If I wanted to eat chips, I had just drink sips between bites to actually get it down. So then I was like, okay, why am I eating chips? Because these are the driest food. I can't be eating chips. Like soup is the better option. It was so weird, but eventually it came, the function came back. So when I started committing to listening to my body, trying to communicate with it, what is it trying to tell me? What is it trying to teach me? What is it trying to show me through different symptoms or sicknesses? Uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I came out of every flu or sickness with some lesson or gift. And obviously, I don't think you need a lesson or gift every sickness you have. But many years ago, that's what I committed to is listening to what my body was telling me through these symptoms. So when I was committing myself to listening to my body and having a deep union with it, actually asking it and listening to the wisdom of the voice that speaks when you ask your body questions, it was amazing. And this is what I wanted to talk about today because I realized that I would only give myself like a bubble bath at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday when it was expressing a symptom. Like when I felt a UTI, I would give myself a bath. And I felt like my body kept tantruming with a symptom in order for me to listen and in order for me to actually support it and treat it really well. It's like I couldn't have a bath at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday without a negative health symptom. And that's when I was like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I waiting for my body to express itself in pain to actually stop and rest or actually stop and listen to it? So why am I waiting for pain to actually clue in. I think that's the journey. I think I think the body tantrums in order for you to listen. It tantrums through pain. It it gives you pain for you to tap in and clue in and be like, "Oh my gosh, okay. Okay, I will listen to you." I think that's how the journey is, but eventually I got to a point of I need to support my body and listen to it 
before it gets to the level of pain. Like just being a little tired is enough of a symptom to lay down and put my whale songs, my whale and dolphin sounds on or to have a bath or to lay in the sun even if I have a million things to do. I can start to listen to my body with little, little symptoms. Like I'm just feeling a little tired. I'm going to rest now. I don't need to wait until I have a fever or I'm puking or I have a UTI or I have a migraine to actually rest. I can start listening and cluing in and tapping into my body with the little, little symptoms because there are little symptoms. So recently when I overworked myself, I accidentally overworked myself because I knew this holiday season, I did not want to be busy. I knew I didn't want to take on too many family photo sessions, but I accidentally did. And I learned I need to take on less next year, but I was trying to consciously not be busy and then I still got busy. And from that busyness, I started experiencing a lot of rage and a lot of anger and a lot of resentment because I was spending my days in an editing cave. I was spending my days not how I wanted to be spending it. I love having freedom. I love having time to myself. I love being able to do whatever I want when I want to. And when I'm too busy, I can't have freedom. And it sounds so common sense but that is my priority and it's always been my priority so recently my body was communicating to me through anger and it didn't get to the level of getting the flu or getting a virus or something to make me lay in bed all day or make me you know take a nice detox bath in the middle of the day it didn't get to the level of my body expressing itself through pain because I think I listened to it when when it was constantly being angry over the littlest things, over the most minute little things in my daily life. I felt this huge wave of rage and anger and that's so abnormal for me. I So I knew, okay, this rage is abnormal. This anger is abnormal. My body is communicating to me through these feelings, through these emotions. Our body also communicates through emotions. And so I had to stop and reflect and ask myself, okay, why am I snapping or exploding at the littlest things? I was trying so hard to not snap. I was trying so hard, but I was so full of rage and aggression. And, you know, I'm human. We all get like this. And it was an amazing moment in my life where I was able to reflect and see how strongly, how I'm living my day-to-day life. If it's not how I want to be living it, how angry or out of flow I get. It was an amazing moment for me to recognize how deeply it affects me and then 
how how I'm treating my husband, how I'm snapping at him is showing me how I feel inside because I don't want to be snapping at him, obviously. And it's abnormal for me to be snapping at him because I'm very conscious and aware of how I'm acting and how I'm feeling. And so it was this huge spotlight on what is this rage? What is this anger? And it's because I was too busy and I hate being busy. I hate it so much. So now I think I'm to the level that my body doesn't absolutely need to express itself in a health symptom like pain, uh, like a UTI or yeast infection, which is what it used to do often. Like I think yeast infections uh, commonly manifest from rage and from anger. I think it's the energy of resentment. And I, and I used to experience yeast infections quite often because of my level of anger for you know, a myriad different reasons. But now I'm using my emotional body as my body expressing itself and saying, okay, what is this anger telling me? And my most recent bout of anger was that I was way too busy. And I tried not to be busy and I still got busy and I hate it. And next year I'm going to try even harder to not get busy. I have to say no even more. I said no a lot. I said no so much this fall. And next year I have to say no even more. I have to disappoint people even more. But it's going to be worth it because I don't want to feel that level of anger in my body. It was nasty. (laughs) It was crazy. But at least I I had the level of awareness to communicate with my husband and say, I'm snapping because... I'm in an editing cave every day and I don't have time to myself doing the things I want. It's because I'm living my life not in the way I desire that my body is screaming out at me that things need to change. And I was communicating this to my husband while I was in it. I wasn't like communicating it after the fact while I was in the midst of it. I was telling him what was going on and then he he was able to understand and then we were able to kind of like joke about it and laugh about it if i snapped then we could kind of make a joke about it instead of you know i i think i think humor can really relieve situations in in most situations so if we are snapping at our children if we are snapping at our spouses more than normal if we have this volcano of rage that comes out over the absolute most stupid thing that our child or our spouse does, what is going on with you? What is going on in your life? That is where your work is. Your responsibility, your self-responsibility is to figure out what your rage is about. Where is it stemming from? Where is it coming from? And obviously don't blame someone else because that's a victimhood. You have to take responsibility for the rage you feel. This is self-responsibility. The rage I was feeling the past few weeks had nothing to do with my husband. He just triggered the rage to show me that I have stuff to look at. Nothing was his fault. Truly nothing was his fault. One day he told me, okay, I'm heading out the door to work. Okay, I'm heading out the door to work. And that made me annoyed. That made me angry. 
Do you know how stupid that is? He did nothing wrong. He was literally informing me that he was leaving the house and that was annoying to me. It had nothing to do with him. It's, it's, it's hilarious the things that can set us off when we are not feeling good. So it's showing us where our emotional state is and then why. Why is our emotional state that way? So obviously the biggest emotional state for most people is anxiety. And I have an episode on anxiety like you know, from many, many months ago. And I highly suggest listening to it because anxiety is a messenger. Anxiety is trying to communicate something to you. It is wise. Your body is so wise. It doesn't, it doesn't feel things at random. It doesn't feel pain at random. It doesn't feel anxiety at random. In my personal opinion, anxiety usually is communicating that you are living your life in some type of way that you are not in alignment with. Either you are consumed by other people's opinions and judgments and you're so scared of what your community thinks of you and you don't feel like you can be your authentic self. You are censoring yourself. You're not being your true self. You're consumed with the anxiety of what people will think of you or how people will judge you or how you want to make this big, massive life change because it's how you truly want to live your life. That's what your heart is saying to you, but you're terrified of what people will think or you're terrified of what people will say about you. Um, That's one example, I think, anxiety. There There is no black and white of what anxiety is trying to tell you because it's a u- unique story. It's a unique communication pattern for you, for from your soul. I think anxiety is your soul tantruming. It's your soul trying to get your attention and saying, hey, how are you living? What are you doing? Stop, pause, reflect. My most recent situation with anxiety was a few months ago when I was realizing that every time I got onto my Instagram, I would get this burning in the middle of my chest. That's how my anxiety felt. It was like this burn in the middle of my chest and it would happen every time I would log on to Instagram. And eventually I realized that it's because I was always being a punching bag from someone in my DMs projecting their pain or their fear or their frustration or their anger onto me because I post controversial things or I I I post I don't censor I don't censor myself a lot on Instagram I do censor myself because I would post even more (laughs) bold things but I do censor myself a little bit but I don't compare to the normal person and so with the content with the content that I post people we're having knee-jerk reactions to the content I post, like I post about the atrocities of hospital births, that they abuse women, that they manipulate and coerce women through fear, through saying, hey, your baby's going to die, you have to do this. That's coercion. That's not okay. That's what's happening with the COVID vaccine, with the pandemic. It's saying if, if you don't take this vaccine, you will lose your job. That's coercion. And that's what happens with women in hospital births all the time, every day, every minute. It's happening right now. 
I don't think that's okay. But women that experience that and then they truly do believe that the hospital saved their baby, they can become trauma bonded to the, their abuser and then they view them as a savior. And they are Western medicine's absolute diehards. Like they are the warriors protecting and advocating for hospital births then. And so if I'm posting something about the abuse hospital um, hospitals do to women, I get these women that have this trauma from their past hospital birth that knee-jerk project their trauma into my DMs and try to fight me on this. And it was when it doesn't really have that much to do with me. Like I'm, I'm just the person that happened to trigger that trigger in them, showing them that they have trauma, that they have something to look at, but they don't see it that way. And then they would try to fight me on it. And I was getting so much anxiety about being the punching bag to these people's trauma. It was weighing so heavy on me. And even though I, I know it has nothing to do with me, like I'm not here to save them from their trauma or heal their trauma. Like that's an inside job. Like I can't, I can't do anything about it. Even though I have that awareness, it was still so heavy. It was still so dark and negative and I didn't, I didn't like it at all. So eventually I took off the message box on my Instagram stories and it's literally stopped the, the, the nasty DMs. Well, they weren't even nasty, but there's people that were like, this post triggered me because blah, blah. And I, what's so funny is that because that message box is now off of my stories, I have not had one person knee-jerk message me out of their fear or triggers when they could still message me. They could still go onto my Instagram profile and click message and then message me that way. You can still, mes- you can still message me. But because I took that message box off the actual stories, I don't get any knee-jerk projections or fears anymore. And so now my anxiety is completely gone. So that was situational for me. It was situational because I'm hardly spending time messaging people anymore. I don't spend that much of my time doing that anymore. And I'm not in my messages fighting people or you know, fielding people's projections. That's not how I spend my day anymore. And so I have no anxiety over Instagram anymore. And that was the best move I could have done. That's completely self-care and how I'm supporting myself. And I do, I do kind of miss some of the, the conversations I used to have in my DMs, but people can still message me, you know, if they really, really wanted to message me they still do and some people still do um but I do like just spending less time on Instagram now because a lot of the time I was spending was messaging people back and forth and I did there was an aspect of that that I liked about the community and getting to know people and stuff but the downside of the level of anxiety I was feeling it's just it's just not worth it 
it's not worth it. So if you have anxiety, I highly suggest scrolling back many months ago when I posted about anxiety and how that is your body communicating to you. It is your soul communicating something to you. I highly suggest listening to that. But also the number one piece I always say about anxiety is that you absolutely need magnesium. You absolutely need magnesium and a high quality magnesium. Please don't order magnesium off of Amazon from a crappy cheap brand. You need high quality magnesium. We use um, Thorn or Designs for Health in my house. So every feeling, every emotion, every pain, every discomfort your body feels, it's communicating something to you. It is speaking to you. It's just whether you want to stop and listen to it. I personally think this is how we can love ourselves. I personally think this is self-love, stopping when your body is uncomfortable, feeling something big, it has some sort of pain messenger, stopping and asking what is going on, leaning in, getting answers from your body. You don't need to go and ask a doctor, doctor necessarily about what's going on. That, that is our knee-jerk reaction because we, it, I don't know, our, it's so hard to want to lean on what your intuition tells you about the pain happening in your body. I still feel it where I like want to go to my chiropractor and be like, heal me and tell me what's wrong. Um, I don't know. There's this, it is quite strange how we desperately want an external authority to tell us exactly what's wrong with our body. But if we are in true communion with our body, our body does give us, give us those answers. And maybe not 100% of the time, but most of the time it does. But we just have to learn and practice how our body speaks to us and the voice of it and learning what that voice sounds like or feels like because sometimes it's a feeling in the body or it's a voice, it's a little whisper. We all feel our intuition differently. But my most recent experience with a pain in my body was getting a stomach ache and I do not have stomach aches often. This was a few weeks ago. It was a very weird symptom for me. So I was like, what the heck? I had a stomach ache. And so it was like a Saturday afternoon. I'm like, okay, I'm going to journal, talk to my body, see what this is all about, take a bath. I did all the things. And I I recircled on a week prior. I went to the chiropractic, my woo-woo chiropractor, who gets the emotions out of our body. And then a lot of times we have homework to the emotion that he was told that our body told him. So he basically asked the body, like, what does it want to work on? What emotions are going on? And then the body tells him what's going on with it. And so about a week prior to my stomach ache, it was talking about its fear of the future. And I'm very aware of some of my fears of the future, like I will feel grief again. I will lose people again. I'm very aware that I'm apprehensive of what the future 
will be for me because pain is inevitable and grief is inevitable. And I have this, this apprehension of like, I know I'm going to feel it again. And so I have this fear of the future and I've known about it and, I've, and I don't really know what to do about it. Like I'm aware of it, but it came up during this chiropractic office visit. And then about a week later, I didn't really do much about it. And then a week later, I got this stomach ache. And then I was just like, okay, with my journal, I'm like, this is my safetyness. This is my fear of my future speaking. And I wrote my journal and I just was really honest with everything I felt. Like I, I don't want to feel pain in my future. I don't want to feel grief. It's disgusting. I hate it. I was just journaling on my most honest feelings in my body. And I just felt like it was honoring what I really feel. It was honoring what I really fear. And I was just letting my body express. And I felt like that's all maybe I really had to do. And so my latest stomach ache brought me to face this fear of my future because it got me to actually write from this fear and what is it I fear and how apprehensive I feel about it and all of that. And so my stomach ache recently made me face that. And so sometimes my body speaks to me in these ways to make me take action. Sometimes it makes me stop, stop what I'm doing on that Saturday afternoon and face it, feel it. So this is what I have been practicing for maybe two years now. Every stomach ache, every headache, every UTI, every yeast infection, every cough, every sniffle, every vomiting, it's saying something or it's communicating something or it's wants to give you some type of gift. Like when I had the stomach flu, it gifted me what presence felt like. I was able to really understand presence through that experience. And I think it sounds weird to some people, but that was my experience. So the main takeaways I hope you gathered from this is that you can start listening to your body when it's communicating in little whispers. When it's just whispering, you know, when it's tired or when your head feels groggy or you have a headache, you can listen to it when it whispers. You don't have to wait until it tantrums with a diagnosis or a disease or something bigger. You don't have to wait to listen to your body when, when, in, when you're in your 60s and the doctor's saying, hey, this is your last straw. Like you can listen to your body when you're 25 and you are in vibrant health, but you keep getting yeast infections. You could realize, okay, this isn't normal. You know, my body, there's something going on in that area of my body and it's communicating something to me. And I could stop and listen to it right now. I have that free will. I have that option. That's what I did with my bloating. I was bloated for every single day for years. I was bloated every single day. And eventually I was like, why am I accepting this? My body is communicating something to me. Bloating is not normal. 
It's not normal. And I started accepting it as normal and accepting it as is. Just, oh, it is what it is. And thankfully, I woke up to that because bloating is not normal and it was communicating something to me. So then I got onto my healing journey and I've been healing my body for like two years. And since June 19th, I have not bloated since. It's December right now. I have, my body has not bloated since June. That's madness. That's insane to me. Like I never knew that was possible, but I'm living it now. So I think it's very important to note that first we have to realize what is normal and what is not normal. It's not normal to bloat every day. It's not normal to not poop every day. It's not normal to have loose stool every single day. I used to have loose stool all the time and I thought that was normal. It's not normal. It should be like a brown banana. (laughs) That's how stool should be. It's not normal to have a headache every day. It's not normal to be tired every day. It's not normal to have really, really bad PMS. It's, It's not normal to have really bad really bad period cramps, that's not normal. It's not normal to be very, very cold. It's not normal to have no sex drive. It's not normal to wake up in the middle of the night every single night. I used to wake up at 2 or 3 a.m. every single night. It's not because you have to pee. It's not. There is something else. It's not normal to wake up in the middle of the night. It's not normal to take a full hour to fall asleep. There's things you might have to do like eat more during the day. I now sleep through the night. I go to bed at like 9.30 p.m. and I sleep all the way through to 6 a.m. I don't wake up once anymore because I healed my body. I had to, I, for me, I had to increase my calories, my protein, and my fat. I eat four full meals a day now. Before I was under eating and I think my body was waking up in the middle of the night because my blood sugar got low and when your blood sugar gets low when you're sleeping, your body needs to wake up to basically like save itself, like to stay alive. So when it gets too low, it increases your blood sugar and then you wake up in the middle of the night. And that often happens if you're not getting enough calories during the day, you're not eating enough during the day. And that was me. So now that I eat like maybe 2,300 calories a day, I used to eat maybe 1,600. That's like probably my rough, my rough guess. So now that I eat enough, I sleep through the night without waking. I might wake up in middle of the night like once a week, but that's, that's crazy to me. That's crazy to me. I've healed so much of my stuff and a lot of it has to it goes back to I was, I was under eating. I was not eating enough fat and protein in general. So first we have to realize what is normal and what is not normal. So then we know when our body is communicating something to us. So if we, if we thought waking up in the middle of the night was normal, we wouldn't realize that our body is speaking to us and saying, hey, something's up. I shouldn't be waking up in the middle of the night. So if we thought it was normal, we wouldn't 
we wouldn't realize our body speaking to us. So understanding what is normal and what is not normal is very, 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 very important. So some of the top ones that I already said is it's not normal to be tired every day. It's not normal to feel like tired, but wired. It's not normal to feel anxious and jittery. It's not normal to have loose stool. You should be pooping two times a day, one to two times a day, and it should be like a brown banana. If it's not, your body is speaking to you. It's not normal to have a headache or backache every day. That could be um, dehydration. There are so, so many ways that the body communicates. Also, the color of your pee. Your body communicates whether you are hydrated or not through the color of your pee. It, if, if it is really, really dark yellow or maybe orangish, you are dehydrated. Your pee should be like a light yellow. And yes, B vitamins will turn your pee like fluorescent yellow. That's what B vitamins do. And then if you eat um, like beets, it definitely turns your pee pink, obviously. I just think that is crazy. The, the level of um, natural dye in beets, I think that's amazing. So I hope from now on you guys will reframe anytime you have a fever or your child has a fever that it is their immune system working perfectly and beautifully. It's burning off the invader. You don't want to get rid of rid of a fever most of the time because that's how it burns off the invader. That's the immune system response. Or puking, it is not a bad thing. It is getting the invader out. So it's reframing body symptoms as your body is expressing health. Your body is expressing that it's trying to heal itself and it's our job to support our body. It's our job to love and support our body through drinking filtered water, drinking uh, filtered water with Himalayan sea salt. Our body needs salt. It needs minerals. We get minerals through sea salt. It's supporting your body through food that has actual nutrients in it. It's nutrient dense to deliver nutrients to your organs, to your cells, to all the different body systems that is trying to heal you. We support our body through resting, through not being overworked or over busy, or it is through movement. There's different times where we need rest and then we need movement. Our body needs exercise and it needs movement. It lowers blood sugar. That's such an important factor for the body. It, it burns off glucose. Or the simple exercise of walking. There are so many benefits to just walking. And then prioritizing your sleep. If you have little babies, I know this is so hard because it just, you know, there's seasons in life and when you have a little baby, it just is not the season where you can prioritize sleep. But when you can, you know, you shouldn't be taking an hour and a half or an hour to fall asleep and you shouldn't be waking up in the middle of the night. And so if you are, you need to 
reflect on, are you drinking caffeine too much in the day? Are you drinking caffeine too late in the day? Are you looking at screens like the TV screen, computer screen, phone screen after the sun goes down, which is blue light, so then your body's not making melatonin. Your body needs to look at the sunset, which is red light. So get red glasses or get a red light because when your body sees the sunset, sees the red light of the sunset, your body then knows to start making melatonin to get ready for sleep. So if we are wired but tired at nighttime, there are absolutely things you can do. You can have a bath. When you have a hot bath, it drops your adrenals, which then can regulate your nervous system. So it regulates your vagus nerve. A hot bath can do that. You can put magnesium Epsom salt in a bath so that your body soaks up magnesium. You need magnesium if you cannot sleep well. There are a lot of things we can do to get our sleep in working order. And for me, that was eating a lot more during the day. And then now I wear red light glasses as maybe the sun is setting like, you know, 5.15. It's winter right now. And so I put my red light, red light glasses on at around, at around 7 p.m. because I get really tired within an hour of wearing my red light glasses. I love, love, love my red light glasses. That has changed me and the amount of time it takes me to fall asleep now. So I highly su- suggest red light glasses. I personally like it better than a red light, but that's just my opinion. But I do suggest some type of red glasses or red light if you have a hard time falling asleep or staying asleep and taking magnesium, watching your caffeine intake. There's many habits that we can include in our daily life and we don't need to do them all at once. We could do one little one little new step a day or one little new step a month baby steps, but every day working towards progress just a little bit more is the goal. Perfection is never the goal. We will never be perfect. Just get rid of that label. Get rid of that expectation. Progress. Progress is always the goal. Just a little baby step. What can you do today to support and love your body just a little bit more?